Episode 1. What's Christianity all about? Welcome to the host uh, Eucharistic and Hipster Talk podcast, where we speak about anything from theology, philosophy, social issues, from a Anglican perspective, a conservative Anglican perspective, and particularly a high church or Anglo-Catholic perspective of Christianity. My name is Maverick and I will be your host. Now I've been meaning to do this podcast for quite some time and you know, well this is this is where it's at. Now uh, I, th- I think in the, the, the last while uh, just contemplating what I was going to speak on um, it's it's actually such a uh, su- su- such a huge task to actually take some time to actually speak about something. I didn't know that it was going to take me this long and uh, this is the first time I've uh, I've really attempted to do something like this. I don't think YouTube videos or anything like that really compares to doing a podcast because it's just audio. So uh, today I'm going to be doing something that I think is quite relevant at least for this podcast because I was thinking about going into you know what is Anglicanism what is uh, Christianity and stuff and 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 obviously those those topics are good for introductions into Christian teaching and whatnot but that is actually not what I'm gonna be speaking about uh, you know the, the the other day I was contemplating how many unchristian unsaved uh, non-christian friends uh, I have and y- you know something that gets me and uh, it, it, it really interests me is that many people really even in the church or supposedly in nominal Christianity or any forms of Christianity have no real clue have no real idea what it means to be a Christian I find it quite sad because uh, this is supposed to be the world's most prominent religion, and uh, I, I I don't really think that's so much the case if you look at it objectively. Um, I I think there are many people who are visible Christians um, who, who, you know, they 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 they're Christians in some sense, but I don't think they really have any meaningful a claim to that title of Christian and um, yeah I'm not going to be speaking so much about who is and is not Christian but the question of you know what what it really means to be a Christian um, I think for most people they think Christianity is keeping a bunch of rules they think Christianity is holding hands singing Gumbaya on a Sunday uh, they think that Christianity might be about you know what you see on TBN about people telling you that 
you're going to get your best life now and all of that kind of stuff and sadly uh, this is this is more prominent I think in uh, the evangelical Protestant uh, segments of Christianity where Christianity becomes this this rationalistic uh, ideology and 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 certainly that is true um, in in in, man, in many factions of that but but really a colorful and by colorful I'm not speaking about something social um, some people might be looking there hey he's trying to uh, be a social justice warrior and stuff uh, if, if 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 you guys catch where I went with that statement but uh, Christianity is really something deeper than that and I I can just you know, I can flick through some books in in a supposedly Christian store, and I could, I could actually lay out to you and tell you why most of those books uh, do not even in a, uh, they do not in any meaningful fashion represent what it really means to be a Christian. So cr that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is not about you know I I, I hear this this uh, quite often. Uh, cr Christianity is about you know the relationship you have with Jesus. It's not about going to church, anything like that. That's I actually want to say that's not Christianity either. Uh, sure, uh, Christianity involves a living relationship with uh, Jesus, with God, but th those things are not so much uh, in 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 the way that it's being sold to the world. Is not really what Christianity is either. You know, I'll just add this. Uh, many people think that Christianity is about living a morally appropriate lifestyle. Um, that's not really what Christianity is about either. Uh, sure, we can speak about holiness. We can speak about um, what you ought to be doing as a Christian. But I don't even think that that's a meaningful way to really engage the topic of what it means to be a Christian. I think it's funny that when many people find out, you know, that uh, I'm I'm you know a devout christian and stuff they have this <laughs> they have this very strange idea about what it, what it means to be a christian now i'm in the process of taking up holy orders in the anglican the continuing anglican church and many people um they find it quite fascinating that someone like me would do such a thing because you know uh you, you know I, the kind of music i listen to uh you know i like watching um geeky things i like lord of the rings uh, maybe it's because I, I i like coffee maybe it's because uh, you know what what i like is quote unquote hipster and that's kind of why i mentioned uh <laughs> the, the 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 podcast uh, eucharistic and hipster talk because i i do i, I am into that kind of stuff I I listen to rock, heavy metal music, a bit of K-pop, uh, things, things, things like that. And uh, so, so what is expected of Christians and uh, what Christianity is tends to be very obscure. Many people have many ideas about what it is, and hopefully, I want to go over what it really means to be a Christian. Now, in order to answer the question of what it is what it is or what it means to be a Christian, uh, you need to uh, really come to understand um, a lot of the concepts uh, that, that we face in our day-to-day -day living. And I'm quite convinced that Christianity is, is not a it's not a single stream religion. I'll tell you what I mean by that. It's multifaceted. Uh, Christianity speaks not to only the body, uh, of the person, the physical existence of Christianity is that's not all that it is. It's not just about what it 
what it means uh, to eat, drink, live, you know, the physical day-to-day duties. That's not, Christianity is not just about that. It does speak to that, but to single it out and to say it's about what we do on earth is, I think, a misreading, misunderstanding of Christianity. Um, and, and Christianity speaks to not only the physical faculties of man, but it speaks to the spiritual and emotional faculties of man. It's a body-soul-spirit religion, not a body religion, not a spirit religion, not a uh, emotion religion. That's very important to understand because uh, ma- many times when I uh, speak to Christians of various persuasions, um, some of them are very emotional um, and I, I don't think that that's a bad thing, but this is all they ever do. It's about how much I can cry in church. It's about how much um, I can connect with Jesus. And so you hear uh, very clueless things like, um, uh, don't give me uh, Jesus. Don't, I mean, don't give me theology. Give me Jesus. Don't give me religion. Give me Jesus. Very, very spiritual things. But I think a really clueless, I don't even know if there's any real objective meaning to these kind of statements. I think it's mindless, and I don't think that's what Christianity is either. I think uh, for most people, when they're thinking about just existence, uh, humanity is a very hedonistic uh, we we are a hedonistic species. We seek pleasure in everything. Why do we do anything? Um, think about this. Uh, when when you get past the point of having material prosperity um, and 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 so on, uh, you know you have money. You've got food. You've got a house. You've got a car. Everything there. Um, that's just basic. That's just things we we need. But when people are able to move further than that, they start realizing that that doesn't really give you happiness. And I think uh, some people, you, you, you know, just, just looking at it, some people try to find companionship. They try to find things. They think they'll find satisfaction when moving to another country or adopting a certain culture and stuff. And so they try to find, they try to, find something that will um, that will fulfill them but ultimately everything they do is something rooted in pleasure now something that I've noticed uh, and I've noticed it in my own life is that when I'm looking forward to something in the week let's say it's a holiday um, you 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 plan for that holiday you invest money into that holiday you do whatever you do in order to prepare yourself for the experience you're about to have um and that 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 holiday or that experience is supposed to fulfill you supposed to give you some form of satisfaction and really you know thinking about that the the, 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 the satisfaction element, just thinking about it. Um, when they get to that particular holiday, when they get to that particular experience, whether it's mountain biking, whether it's that date you had with that very attractive person, um, there's sort of a sense of you, and l- l- let's take the love part out so far because I want to go somewhere with that, but for a vast majority of people, it's like you get you have this high for a moment, but then somewhere along the line, that satisfaction fades again. You need it again to satisfy you, and I feel as though that's part of the human journey. 
um, we 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 have these urges for satisfaction for deeper fulfillment but they never really get to the point um, you, you know you have holiday and then somewhere along the line you get bored you crash and then you continue and I've noticed that we do this with every with everything whether it's someone we like whether it's a friendship whether it's um, watching a particular series and something we all get to a point where we just get bummed out and we're like what's next I actually want to say Christianity speaks to that thing Christianity speaks to where you find satisfaction um, it speaks to the hedonistic core of what it means to be a human being you know, St. Augustine, a very, very famous Christian saint, said, uh, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Now, obviously, you know what he's talking about. He's talking about God. Because God is supposed to be the satisfaction to that thing. Now, I've, I've heard people say it many, many times. They say, well, Maverick, I've, I've tried the God thing. I've tried religion. And you know it didn't bring me the satisfaction that I wanted and you know I always smile because I know that they know what I'm talking about but just just an, a bit of consideration given to that I wanna say what do you mean by God because sadly when most people speak about God and they ask do you believe in God they speak about it in terms of God is a super me I'm gonna explain what I mean by that but they think of God as an existence or an entity within space and time so they can think of uh, you know someone like Superman Iron Man uh, someone like Thor uh, all of these pagan concepts of God but they don't really think about a biblical um, understanding of God because that's not a biblical understanding of God um, God is not this super entity that's just like me but is perfect okay that's not he's not a creature a entity within the created universe that I can simply say hey look I found God hey um, that's why most of the philosophical and scientific considerations given to the question of God is really irrelevant and I think it's stupid and I'm gonna make 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 this very very easy statement most of the new atheists I think all of them when they engage the topic of God I can tell you about Richard Dawkins the God delusion they don't really know what they're talking about they assume that they are speaking about some super entity out there that's God that's it <laughs> something that's funny though is that all Christian philosophers at least in the West when we speak about Thomas Aquinas Saint Augustine um, and so on these guys didn't think about God in that sense now it's funny because I've been I've been giving I've really been thinking about that now Christianity is a religion a spirituality of objectivity I'm gonna tell you what I mean objectivity is something which is outside of myself um, let me give you an example about objective subjective subjective is guided my way of thinking my way of reference is guided by my own emotion my own thought but it's not really um, there's there's no standard there's no objective standard like uh, think of ob objective objectivity as a ruler um, 
you know, I can create a subjective measurement. I can tell you this thing is approximately 40 degrees. That thing is approximately 40 centimeters. But I don't really know that until I have an objective standard, a ruler. Um, and we, we, we see that all the time. Christianity is meant to give you an objective standard. Now, you've, have you ever heard the statement by an atheist, there are no truths? I want you to think about that. There are no truths. Or, this statement is not true. they self-contradictory statements. What is a self-contradictory statement? A self-contradictory statement is a statement that makes itself false. In other words, it contradicts itself. Because if you're telling me this statement is false, what you're saying is, is that I cannot trust the statement, and so the statement is a nonsense proposition. Uh, or, you know, there are no truths. Well, the question is, is that statement the truth? You know, if you're saying there are no truths and that statement is true, then there are truths and the statement is invalidated. Now, this is the, the, this is at least trying to get you to think. I, I want you to try and get you to think about what it means to be objective. And that's what objectivity is. There are certain things, laws, ways that things are in the universe, which are objective. No one can change that. And I want to say that, that there's an objectivity in things like beauty, and believe me, I'm 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 going I'm going to a very very dark place. But at least you can try understanding what I mean. There's an objectivity for truth, beauty, and joy. I I usually say you need to go with the flow of the objective joy. Many people they seek out joy in they don't really seek out joy. They seek a element of joy. They seek happiness, and happiness uh, is usually what they long for. Something very very interesting. Um, you know, I was speaking to someone about relationships and people who get into a relationship, and this 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 the, this one particular story was about uh, a wife, uh, someone's wife, and you know, a couple, uh, and the 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 guy was asking his wife, uh, speaking to his wife, and eventually the wife asked the question, "Why do you love me?" And he looked at her, and he says, I don't have a reason. She was quite puzzled by this, and she says, you know, what is it? Is it because of something, uh, a physical characteristic? Um, is it because of my personality? You know, no, give me something. You know, you know, um, is it, is it, is it, is it this part of the sexual dynamic of our relationship and stuff? And he kept on saying, I don't have a reason. Eventually, she got very offended with him. And, and, you know, he said, uh, and, he, and he finally gave an explanation. He said, look, if I loved you because of anything that was in you, okay, then the moment you stopped being that thing, I would have no reason to love you. If 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 you if you follow what he's saying, he's saying if I loved your personality and you your personality changed, I couldn't love you. If you know, if you were in an accident and you you not the way that you look right now, and that was the reason I loved you, I couldn't love you. Now, something about that story, I think, spoke to me. Not even just with the topic of love, but the topic of 
of just life, joy, and things and where we find our joy in, we need something which is mysterious. Um, you, you, you know, I, I don't know if I'm doing this justice, but something in us points to something else. And I want to say we seek a satisfaction which is beyond ourselves and not in a superhuman sense, not in a superman sense. We don't, we don't want that kind of fulfillment because that kind of fulfillment is not going to give us fulfillment. If I tell you about someone who's really, really, who's, who's you, um, but he's perfect and, you know, I don't think that's going to give you that much satisfaction. But what I do think is going to give you satisfaction is something deeper than that. Now, I usually ask this question to people and I say, um, if something bad were to happen to you, whether it's a loved one dying in an accident, uh, you diagnosed with cancer, something really, really terrible, if that thing was going to happen to you, would you have a constant, um, a constant joy that wouldn't run out? And you know what, people, when they hear that, they, they think, hey, you know, well, what is he talking about? He's talking about something, he's not speaking about happiness, he's speaking about joy, he's speaking about something objective. Now I want to give you a story about a Christian, um, I, I, I forgot his name, maybe I should try looking, looking for it, but he penned the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. You know, when sorrows like sea billows roll, I can say it is well with my soul. Now, the guy who did this, the story, he he um, was a very wealthy lawyer in Chicago, and he was a Christian. Now, what happened to him was he lost his son. He sent his daughters out, daughters and wife out on this cruise, as far as I understand it. And what happened to? Uh, his daughters and wife is that they were in an accident uh, on the boat and he ended up losing them. Now, he obviously went to go and investigate. He wasn't on the ship to, to, to go to the place where his family died in front of his eyes. And round about that time, actually, uh, he uh, also had some financial issues. He was losing money because of a fire that broke out and destroyed most of his property, uh, much of his property. So he's lost, um, he's losing money left, right and center. He lost his son, lost his daughters, he lost his family. In that moment, while he was observing where this accident happened that took uh, the, li the, the life of his family, he he was contemplating and he sat down and he started writing when sorrows like sea billows roll I can still say that it is well with my soul I want you to think about that this guy he had everything that he needed he had material wealth he had prosperity he had a family he had all of those things he had the American dream as they call it in America you know he had everything that he that he wanted that I think many people desire. But at the end of that, he said that he was still well in a spiritual sense. He was There was something that was well with his soul. He said, it is well with my soul. Now, I want to submit to you today that what he had right there was something objective. He didn't have happiness. He had joy. And I'm pretty sure that 
you know, his experience was negative, but the fact that he was able to say that is actually, I think, an indication that he had something that we as human beings search for our entire lives. And that is what I call the divine romance. Many people, they think about what they can do to appease God. You know, God's not feeling happy with me. Uh, God's not this. God's not that. And you know what? I'm going to seek for God. But I actually want to tell you that from a Christian perspective, we are not really ever seeking God in the truest sense of the word. And the only one who's actually seeking is God. The Bible says there's no one who seeks for God. That's Romans 3. But right now, man and God are finding themselves back together. Now, to the question of what it means to be a Christian, the Christian spirituality, the Christian journey is that adventurous, that narrative, that account. The Christianity, the, the, the Christian religion speaks to that question before it speaks to all the other questions. And so because we know what Christianity is not and we know what the human dilemma is pretty much like, I can start telling you at least what the Christian religion is really all about. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that I, I, I'm not going to be able to get through all of the hooks and crannies and, and all, all of that stuff to be able to tell you what Christianity is like, but at least I can give you a taste. Now, many people, when they hear about the gospel, they think about some kind of airy-fairy story about a guy that hung on a cross, became this cosmic zombie, whatever, and, you know, uh, he saved the world. But they don't really understand what happened. So, the story of the Gospel is really something that begins back in Genesis. Adam and Eve, we know the story. Now, I'm not going to get into whether or not Adam and Eve uh, were the first persons on this planet and stuff. I think it detracts from the issue. But they were a priestly couple. Now, the Bible speaks about the issue of the fall of man in Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 12. Let's read that. Therefore, as sin entered into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death passed to all men, because all sinned. That's Romans 5.12. Now, what happened in the Garden of Eden, when you actually start studying more in depth what the Garden of Eden is, the Genesis narrative is a priestly paradigm. Now, priest means uh, to someone who offers up sacrifices or someone who who leads man in worship, a worship leader. That's what it means to be a priest. When when you look into at least what goes on in Genesis one and you know the Garden of Eden and the way that it's arranged, this is a temple paradigm. Adam and Eve are a priestly couple. And it is through Adam and Eve that God is now continuing uh, to reveal His presence to the world. It is about God bringing order into a world that previously was in non-order. We see that in Genesis 1. You know, the, the, the world was um, null and void uh, and so on. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, Genesis 1... 
Genesis 1-2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the water. The ministry of Adam and Eve was a priestly one. They were to work covenantally to bring the fullness of what God intended for the earth into fruition. Now the problem is, Adam and Eve were given instruction not to eat from a certain tree, but they did. They, they were tempted by the, by the serpent, whom we interpret as being Satan. Now because of what Adam and Eve, the consequence of what happened there influences us today. It's something spiritual. We can get into the issue of original sin, but it's something spiritual. They cut off the connection that the human race had with God. The Bible says that God breathed into us and we became a living being. We became a living soul. Now, I want to say that Christianity is a humanistic religion. I'm not talking about secular humanism. Because I don't think secular humanism really cares. If you can tell me that killing babies in the womb is a, is a humanistic enterprise, you've doomed yourself into a way of thinking that I really think is indefensible. But we like that's not the topic right now. Christianity is about what it means to be human in the fullest sense of the word. Now Genesis 1.26 says that God made us in His image. Think about that for a sense, for, 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 for a second. Being human is about being a reflector of God's glory and power to the world. When Adam sinned, we inherited the consequence of sin and death. And that's our problem. Sin and death. Sin and death is the problem. Now, death being the absence of life, being cut off from the sustainer of all things. And where death comes, decay is inevitable. Sin. Sin is that thing we do when we do not find satisfaction in what God has said. On, on what God is. Now I can give you various abstract definitions of sin. Sin as being the breaking of God's law. That's a valid, a, a valid thing. But sin is in fact the denial of what it means to be a reflector of God's glory into the world. Which is why sin is a human issue. Um, it, it is a very human issue. Of course, angels sin and stuff. But there's something that I want to get to here. Those are our two problems. When I murder, when I steal, when I lie, when I do all of those things, I am not in that moment reflecting God's glory into the world. I'm not loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I'm not loving my neighbor as myself. Now that's very, very important because the issue and the question of love comes up again. And love is our defense, if I can put it that way, against sin and death. So sin and death is a big problem. And I can add Satan, he's also a big foe. But the problem of sin and death is something that seeks to destroy us. 
Now I'm going to have a question for you. Who doesn't want to live? You know, I find it interesting that atheists, they, they often speak about how they don't want to live. Or uh, they say, if God really exists and He allows all of the suffering to happen, then this is just, this is evil, this is, uh, you know, they, 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 they're quite vitriolic, they're quite angry, they're quite hateful, they're quite bitter about God existing. Now think about that for a moment. They're saying that God giving us life and allowing us to live in this situation is immoral or it's evil because, you know, there's suffering and stuff. And why would God do that? Let me stop you there for a second. Most of those people who are saying these things, they don't want to commit suicide. They love their lives. They love their lives. Think about that for a moment. I was reading, uh, I, 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 I was reading this point in uh, Dinesh D'Souza's What's So Great About Christianity. And at, at least I think that, that that was the book. But it was a Dinesh D'Souza book. And he says most of the people who who supposedly complain that God created them, complain that God created lives, they don't want to die. Something that's interesting, when I speak to uh, various uh, Christians from, um, from Africa, or just any, uh, from, any person from African nations, whether it's Malawi, whether it's uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, where things are not as advanced as what, it, as what it is in a westernized um, country. And you ask them, these people who, these are some people who've lived um, with uh, poverty, they've lived in, you know, in, you know, with malnutrition and all sorts of things. And you ask them, would, because of your experience, would you want to die? And the consistent answer that I've come to over and over and over again is that those people don't want to die. My question is why? If life is this bad, you would just you know, want to die. But people realize the God-given beauty of life. We don't want to die, we want to live. And you know what? Christianity speaks to that question. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but receive everlasting life. Think about that for a moment. Christianity it seeks to answer the question of not only satisfaction and deep satisfaction at that, but it seeks to give you meaning in other areas as well. It also provides an answer to sin and death. Now you ask, what is the the answer given to sin and death? Now I want to labor this, this thing. The answer of God from Old to New Testament has been consistently this. Always has been, always will be. And this is when you will understand the heartbeat of Christianity. God has only had one answer to the pleas of man, and that has been found in the man, Jesus Christ. God's answer is Jesus. Jesus is the yes and amen to all. Jesus is the solution to, to all of that. He is the solution all of the profanities to all of the the problems that we as the human race have seen now we believe according uh, 
according to the scriptures in Christianity, that God became a man. The transcendent, everlasting, almighty God became a man. John 1 verses 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verses 14 says, The Word tabernacled among us. He became flesh, made His dwelling among us. Now, why would God become a man? Now the issue is, everyone that has been born is born sinning and dying from Genesis onwards. And <laughs> you go through, through the Old Testament and you go through what David did, what Solomon did. And you will find out that these people were terrible. That if it looks like things were getting good for Israel, if it looks like things were getting good for the world, Eventually, the human being just does something. He does something evil, he does something stupid, and he messes up. Now, the problem is, that problem isn't with all of us. We're going to mess up. Your Jesus comes, and he addresses the issue head on. Now, many people, they, they think of the Christian story of Jesus dying for our sins, as if though God was torturing Jesus, you know, this cosmic child abuse. And then, you know, Jesus rises again from the dead. And many people say, I don't want to want to believe in this angry God that will do this, throwing a tantrum and then saves me like that. But you need to understand, though, is that Christians believe that Jesus did give his life freely. Jesus gave his life freely. On the cross, God was able to pardon wicked sinners, because we are sinners. We have sinned against Him, and we deserve death. The Gospel says, Jesus will absorb all of the sins and the evil things we did. He will drink that cup, so that we would not need to drink it, and forfeit everlasting life. Jesus saved us from the wrath of God. Uh, he saved us from the second death. He saved us from the lake of fire. Because that's what we deserve. Think because, because if you are a sinner, you are evil. You are evil. The God of the Bible comes in. He steps into human history. And he points us to someone, Jesus, who is God. And the problem of sin and death are addressed. And he is risen again. And there's this beautiful uh, Pascha hymn, uh, which is actually something that we're singing at this time of the year. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tomb, bestowing life. Beautiful. Now, the Christian story continues. Maybe I can read Philippians 2 verse 5, because this will really uh, get, get this... Uh, uh, get this across better. Have this, have this in your mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, having, having, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, yes, the death of a cross. Therefore God also exalted him, and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the Christian story. It's about how, through Adam, God was ordering the world. God was bringing his presence to abide with the human people. And we began to subject ourselves to death the moment Adam sinned. And because of that, the human uh, existence, the, the, the earth, became subjected to the curse. And the curse is basically God giving us over to decay, or rather not God, but man giving himself over to death. Jesus steps in and he undoes everything and because of that we are being renewed back into the image of God because that's what we lost we lost what it means to be a beautiful a spiritually beautiful people we lost our beauty at the fall now Jesus is the blueprint for what is a perfect human being because God became a man and that is what we are in the process of becoming we are becoming again the image of God to the world Jesus face is being renewed in us and we because of that can now find peace and the answers to sin and death that's what it means to be a Christian we are in the motion of the divine Trinity what do I mean now I can get into the theological intricacies of what Trinitarian panentheism means. I'm actually planning on doing a on doing a paper on this. But many people think of God and existence as being two parallel things. You know, God can sort of interfere with with the earth and we can sort of ask God and and we we see that those things as two distinct things. What I'm saying is, is that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Holy Spirit and we are in the dynamic of that relationship. The Bible says the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. So here's the story, if I can put it. God loves the Son so much that He promised a people, a believing people, to the Son. The Son loves God so much that He makes sure those people are saved and they are given life. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son so much that that love connection between Father and Son continues. Everyone not found in the motion of God's love to Himself will be exocommunicated into the outer darkness. They will go to hell. That is hell. Hell is the second death. Hell is forfeiting what you were supposed to be. Um, I can get into the various theories of hell, but that is what hell is. Hell is the lake of fire. And that is really where the story comes to a conclusion. And that's how philosophical issues of sin and death, what satisfaction is hedonism, those are all addressed in the Christian worldview. Now hopefully I can do an episode on where I try to explain what this Trinitarian thing is, but the Christian message is that you come to share in
the motion between the persons of the Trinity. So that I can actually say the reason God loves me is because God loves God. But why does God love you? Same answer I said before. God loves you because he loves you. Christianity is a mystical tradition of mystery. We don't answer those kind of questions in the way the world wants them answered. And that's really the brief answer to what the gospel is. Christ, crucified and risen, is Lord. That's what it means. And because of what has been done, because of the problem of sin and death being addressed in the person of Jesus, on the cross, Jesus died for our sins, he condemn, condemned sin and death, risen again, and now he is the king, the answer, undoing that entire damage package that we, along with Adam and everyone after him, have done. And that's really what it means to be a Christian. But there's a deeper spirituality here. And we can get into that, but hopefully this at least gets you thinking about what it means to be a Christian. Because there's a lot of things that I haven't defined yet. But it's not about holding your hands, singing Gumbaya. There's something deeper. And those kind of issues have all been addressed in the person of Jesus, supposedly. And that's really what it is. Now, um, there was something else that I wanted to speak about. Um, but yes, that is, that is essentially what the Christian gospel is about. is about how God answers all of the pleas, all of the desires of men in the person of Jesus. And that is the only place that we can find satisfaction. Now, there's an entire mystical tradition, uh, an entire mystical tradition in Christianity about these things, and where where they're saying the Jesus prayer and stuff, and there are various practices that you could adopt into your spirituality to try to understand how you come back into that motion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I would say consider this. Um, maybe uh, a, a valid place to start looking would be the resurrection of Jesus. So, if you know you're starting to wonder about this stuff, you're starting to wonder about what this Christian stuff is all about, I would have you consider to join a local service. Now, where I'm from, uh, we like I I currently attend a very liturgical service where the drama of the gospel is being lived out every Sunday and there's various words we say um, the various expressions we have but look into it you won't be sorry
Thank you for joining me today at The Host, Eucharistic and Hipster Talk Anglican Theological Podcast.